Hiya, Georgie. The blackest eyes. The devil's eyes. Come with me if you want to live. Hello and welcome to this Road to Nowhere mini-sode. Um, I'm your host Andy and tonight I'm joined by Rob Simpson from the Directors Uncut and the Geek Show. Hi Rob, how are you? Um, not bad, not bad at all. I mean, all things considered, not bad. Yeah, hi. <laughs> um, we are doing this basically just as an audio review of the recent, most recent, sorry, Benson and Moorhead uh, weird sci-fi Mindfuck, <laughs> um, something yeah. in the dirt. Um, yeah, it, it's one of those. Don't make me explain the cut the, the, the story because it's a it's a, it's a it's a devil of a movie to talk mm. about. Yeah, I don't even think I'll get I'll give a slight synopsis when we get on to it. Um, Benson and Moorhead. Then they've kind of been making the name for themselves over the years. They they had their first feature was Resolution, um, yes. followed on by a kind of. Pseudo sequel, The Endless. It wasn't a full sequel, but it was shared. That, was, it for, uh, was it next? I mean, that's the sequel, yeah. But yeah. Like that, they've got spring. Right, okay. All around the sort of same time, weren't they? Right, um, aye. And then what? Synchronic? Synchronic, yeah, with Anthony Mackie. Yeah, they did uh, Archive 81, which. A few episodes of Archive 81. I've got to catch mm-hmm. up on that. Yeah, I, I, I was going to watch that, but then I heard it got cancelled and it ended on a cliffhanger. Yeah, so I mean, I've listened I to the pod. Uh, there's like, what, eight, ten episodes, something like that. I watched episode four, and there's like mm. an amazing episode that they're directed, and you right, know, when they say, oh, it's cancelled, do a bother finishing it then. I'm not sure what's going on. I know. That's the issue. Uh, the Archive 81, going to be tangent, Archive 81 um, podcast is really good. That's worth checking out. Obviously, the, the TV show is based on. Really enjoyed that. Uh, it goes places, so I'd have been interested to see where they would have taken it story wise in the show, but it gets really weird. Um, Loki as well. They've done. Uh, yeah, well, they've done. They've signed up for Loki season two. Um, they didn't do any season one, but they did some of Moon Knight. Ah, yeah, that's it. Um, yeah. Which was a bit, a bit of misfire for me, but. I'm interested to see what they do with Loki, all the mind bending and multiverses and stuff like that. Could be interesting seeing them have a wee bit of a take oh, on that as well. It's it's bizarre that they've got into this position, to be honest. Because if you look mm. at the movies, they're not sort of accessible in any way, really. The kind no. of a bit full on, a bit intellectual, a bit weird. In terms of kind of thematically with something in the dirt. Resolution and the Endless certainly feel closer to it than any of the other stuff they've done. Yeah. What are your thoughts on those two? Resolution, well, um, I should probably say Resolution set around two guys stuck in a... Uh, one one guy stuck in a, a, a cabin because his friend's trying to basically make him go cold turkey. Oh, I mean, like an addict of everything. Mm. It's an amazing concept. You don't realise what's actually going on until... Uh, the end scene when yeah. you realise that they're stuck in sort of a time loop and there's some sort of thing which is yeah. making them do it over and over again. Aye. Uh, which is 
I don't know, the first time I saw it, I thought, what the hell was that? It's one I think you definitely need to go and have another wee, wee look at, don't you? Yeah, and I saw the Endless, which this takes place in the same universe, or the same literal forest area. Because <laughs> right. you see those two again, don't you? I mean, and they're still stuck in that time loop. And yeah. It just makes, hang on, I should really go back and watch the resolution again, but it's just one of those movies that's as good as gone. There's no way you can see it anymore. Yeah, really difficult to get a hold of. Um, yeah, The Endless takes place in that same area. Um, it's, And I think you see those two guys, basically, they know what's going on now and they've accepted it. Yeah. But they're just trying to find a way out by continually blowing themselves up or yeah. setting fire to their house or something along those lines. Like It's quite oh, it's interesting. Some, some amazing like digital editing effects in The Endless. Mm. Uh, there's like a bit... I mean, Loads of people are trapped in sort of uh, little time loops, and it's one where, if I remember correctly, it's been a while since I've seen it. There's a guy stuck in a tent who's just sort of running from one end to the other, and he just sort of constantly rewinds itself. It's like a two second loop or something. Yeah, you think he's been caught in, wo- in a war? It's during the war, some some form of war time, and he seems yeah. to be caught in it. Um, yeah, that would be horrendous. Um, Resolution in the Endless felt a bit like a commentary on. The the viewing public more than what they come onto with something in the dark. That was more like them talking about. Certainly, I felt with resolution almost like the the way it, the way it does end there, as you're saying in the final shot. It's mm. they almost turn to the camera and say, "Is that enough?" Yeah, and do it in a way that you like. Yeah, yeah, and it's yeah, and it's a real interesting way of yeah, a sort of commentary on the viewer, um, and yeah. maybe the 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 torture that certain filmmakers go through for their art to try and please certain aspects of the viewing public. Oh, well, not just that. I mean, uh, I recently watched The Shining again for the first time in years, and the story of that and what uh, Kubrick did to his cast and made him, I mean that was his famous for wasn't he, making his cast do it over and over and over and over and over again mm-hmm. um, I can't remember is it, I can't remember the name of the actor, is it, it's not Shelley Duval, is it it was in that, but, yeah, yeah Shelley Duval oh, she hated Kubrick because we yeah. talked about 20, 30 plus takes mm-hmm. so maybe I don't know, you could say it's from the perspective of like uh, an actor looking at the director as well, is that the good take, can we, can we keep that take can we move on to the next scene now? Yeah, yeah, it could be as well, yeah. Definitely. It's um I suppose it depends on what's been great about resolution and the endless is they're very still very open to interpretation. Like I've not oh, read oh, yeah. too much about I don't I don't want to delve too much into reading about what people think because it might colour your own sort of perspectives oh. on it. Oh yeah, I mean those two movies as well, they're just sort of movies what you watch and you think, I don't want to know all the answers. Because mm-hmm. the mystery is far more interesting than if somebody said, oh, this is what this is and that's what that is. I mean, oh, okay, that's exactly. not very interesting. But, yeah. you know, when you, your mind fills, fills in the blanks, I think it's just the cooler yeah. world that the movie set up. Because mm-hmm. then, if you did maybe have a a resolution to it, if you will, um, you would maybe forget about it. Because you know what's happened, so you go, oh, well, that was okay then. It's not as special, you know. I mean, no. uh, when you fill in the it's like um, when people write books and then the adaptation is never quite what they imagined it would be. Mm-hmm. Because you've yeah. got a different version in your head. So I think 
yeah, it's just that sort of thing, really. Mm-hmm. And the Endless expands on the world of resolution where it definitely feels like they are, again, without wanting to spoil too much, there's a cult that's there that barely seem to age. Uh, Benson and Moorhead are mm. playing major characters in it again, the two kind of leads um, that have escaped the cult at a young age. Um, and because they've left that area of kind of time loops and all sorts, they've aged well, the rest of the place hasn't. So they go back and they see that... Um, it's again, it's a really strange, difficult one to describe because they're all sort of in awe of this entity that they don't really understand what it is that's watching them. You don't yeah. get a glimpse at it at all. Um, thing in the pond, and there's a weird scene yeah. where they sort of have a rope going up to it, but still, yeah. it's all off camera. You don't know what the hell's going on. Mm-hmm. You see a shimmer of part of a a loop that they're in that the. The, that's the kind of the cult's time loop bubble, um, and it looks out over a desert. I think at one point it looks out over the the forest, and I'm sure you see different points where there's just lots of little bubbles. Yeah, from yeah, they do incredible. I mean, they don't do big effects; they just do really, really cool like, conceptual mm. effects. Yeah, well used for like kind of limited budget. Oh, oh yeah, hundred percent. So coming on to something in the dirt then. Um, First thoughts on this. I've only watched it once. Um, yeah, it's same. Yeah, it's I definitely enjoyed it. It feels talking about kind of accessibility and maybe plot cohesion. This feels yeah. less tied down to a kind of running narrative than the previous two we spoke about. But I did thoroughly enjoy it. I thought Benson and Moorhead are really watchable, just as a double act. They are great actors as well. I don't mm. think they get enough credit for how good they are as mm. actors. Yeah. Um, not many directors would do that to no. with so many movies in their filmography just be the, the leads as well. Yeah. Um, but, I mean, even the concept, it's just so many different things. Mm-hmm. Um, them to play, I think it was shot in their own flat, actually, during, it was during COVID, but... Yeah, it's a COVID. During their own, in their own flat. Mm-hmm. Um they discover this sort of uh, crystal ashtray yeah. thing, and when um, one of them opens the door, it just and the light hits it perfectly. It just starts floating, mm-hmm. uh, getting higher and higher in the air. Yeah, and like normal people in Los Angeles, I guess they decide let's make a documentary about it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's um, and that's probably as in-depth as you can go plot-wise, I think, with it, because this is almost, again, we were talking about a commentary of it being from maybe the perspective of a filmmaker trying to please the viewer. This is almost a, a commentary on the making of a film and working yeah. in conjunction with together, trying to work different ideas and different ideologies trying to work together to make something cohesive and to make sense of something that is nonsensical. Oh, I mean, they have to be best friends because when you're making a film, it's just chaos, absolute mm-hmm. chaos. Yeah. Um, everything will go wrong and it'll yeah. end up being something completely different than what you initially planned and mm-hmm. sort of, the way it's put together and how it unfolds and what scenes look like. Yeah. I think it's playing into that really because... Uh, well, it's just, I don't know, it's just hard to pin down 
the why is just it all sort of falls to pieces so very very quickly. Yeah. It's um so Benson Moorhead play John and Levi, and John is like a an evangelist who's part of a apocalypse cult essentially. Yeah. <laughs> He's a very narcissistic character you learn throughout. Um, whereas Levi seems a kind of down on his luck, <sighs> a bit of a, a bit of a loser. He's had a bit of a, a tragic background, tragic backstory that gets explained further as you go. Um, and maybe one of the types of people that would be susceptible to the cult following and the cult aspect that John is a part of. Um, and John certainly has a, a, a clear superiority complex over Levi. Yeah, yeah. If it, it is implied that he's sort of a very right-wing Republican. Mm-hmm. Um, doesn't really goes outright and say that, but it, it is just them. Um, I was thinking, uh, wasn't there an apocalypse cult in the Endless? Would that tie that together? Because I think they have admitted as much that all of these movies take place in the same universe. It's all okay. within the same world. Which I think Tarantino admitted the same thing at one point too. Yeah. Um... With the endless, I don't know if there ever if it's an apocalypse cult as such. I think I know that's what the two main characters are worried about. I need to have a, again need to have a rewatch. It's been a couple of years since I've watched it. I think they thought they were trying to get away from what would essentially be like a Jonestown, but yeah. I don't think it's ever revealed that they would have been a kind of apocalypse suicide cult type thing. Um. But yeah, I mean, it could be that could be the exact same link, and there is one thing which isn't a massive spoiler. In fact, it's not a spoiler at all. It's the red herb pops back up, which is seen, I think, mm. in certainly it's certainly in the endless um, a scene involving a caravan, which is the point where he looks over the the, the forest and sees the rest of the bubbles, and uh, it's almost kind of. Uh, substitutes for marijuana, like cannabis and things like that. Yeah. Um, yeah. That pops up again. There's lots of really interesting shots that are taken. This is very dreamlike, more so I think than the other two as well. Um, yeah, when it it's they're trying to document it, what's going on? The the they going on with this. Um, Cobalt crystal or something or whatever it is. I can't remember what it's ex- uh, quartz, explained. I think it quartz, was. quartz. Sorry, I know cobalt. Um, in terms of there is also a documentary running alongside them documenting it. Yeah, it's which is really interesting. It's really weird because um, they'll regularly just pick up the cameras and record stuff, whether it's in like sort of camcorder or phone or whatever. Mm-hmm. And then it'll jump to sort of behind the scenes documentary style uh, interviews. And then it's recreations. And it's actually brought up in one of the documentary bits where it says it's kind of weird you having you playing yourselves in these recreations. Yeah. It's it's like three movies sort of in the same movie. Yeah, it is, it's kind of overlapping each other, isn't it? Um, yeah. Is it, is it, did they say, why did you not? Play yourselves, or no, it's just a bit egotistical you, playing yourselves, like doing you, the recreations yeah. yourselves. Yeah, so you don't know if you're watching what would be a recreation or 
what yeah. is actually kind of real and what's going on. Yeah, an interesting choice, and it definitely th- th- first time I heard that it threw me. Um, yeah, especially I mean, no spoilers, but where it ends, it just it asks so many questions. Yeah, it just and it ends fairly abruptly. It feels like yeah. they've just went right. This feels like. The perfect time for this ending that is absolutely going to confuse people and get them talking about this movie because it does feel like just snap, click of fingers, finished. Mm. Um, yeah, but it, it does go some places. The mm. thing that I like about their stuff, it's it never assumes anything from you. Mm-hmm. There's um, certain sci-fi movies, uh, like Christopher T- um, Nolan, uh, Tenet just sort of ties itself in knots with all of its sci-fi crap. Mm-hmm. Um, all sorts of sort of directors who think themselves to be sort of not intellectual, but they try to be smart with the sci-fi. Mm-hmm. It's just a mess. But I don't know what there's something about these two where they can have like these big grand ideas with their sci-fi because they talk about all sorts of weird stuff. They talk about I don't even know where to begin with it. It's just so over my head. But they mm-hmm. do it in such a way in which I'm actually all in for it. I just want more of it. Aye. I don't get how they do it. Yeah, yeah, it keeps you invested. I think because you're always with some sci-fi, where it like we kind of touched on a wee bit earlier, where it explains or tries to explain everything to you, you can get kind of kind of get over oversaturated, and you lose a bit of interest. But the way Benson Moorhead almost put everything on the screen, everything on their page, everything on their script, and everything onto the screen, that it makes you want more. And it makes you always think about possible reasons for everything. Like um, the character of John, who says he's an apocalyptic, he's part of an apocalypse cult, and he goes on and starts going on about Pythagoras theorem. And uh, there was something um, uh, Jerusalem have, yeah, with like these weird patterns that are sort of symbolic around the area. Yeah, yeah, Um, including like the Chinese theater in LA, just random. Random points, kind of, <clears throat> that were getting brought up, and what is it called? Is it there's something that to do with uh, when people see Jerusalem, they go into a certain state, and he's using that as a potential theory. Yeah. And then if we completely goes away from this floating thing, and mm-hmm. these floating oh, things in the, the flat <laughs> dart off somewhere else entirely. Uh-huh. And if Levi ever puts forward a theory, John just completely shits on it, and because it's not came from him, he's not that bothered about listening to it. Yeah, um, it, it speaks of how good the chemistry they have, really, because you totally buy into the fact that they hate each other. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so the, yeah, the friendship's kind of developing, or by friendship, they're acquaintance, acquaintance is kind of developing throughout the movie, and there is a, a point where you can clearly see the two of them, well, certainly Levi, anyway, thinks he's made a mistake by getting involved in this. But he's too far in. Again, going back to maybe a cult reference, people who get involved in cults get drawn in by the promise of living a an ideological lifestyle yeah. and then have got in too deep to actually pull out even though they know how deep then they are. Yeah, I mean, this is the, the idea of making this documentary. I don't know what they, they expect to happen with it. Mm. Uh, the claim to be just wanting to document it, yeah. so people believe what they're, they're happening. But if if that was it, 
if they genuinely just wanted to document it, they recorded it with their phone and posted it on Twitter or something, and it went viral. Aye. So there's, there's an ego there, and mm-hmm. it's just interesting to see how those egos start to develop and mm-hmm. how the character develops with those egos. One mm-hmm. is just... He's gen- I mean, um, Levi... Uh, I can't remember which one's Benson and which one's Moorhead. Uh, I think Moorhead is is uh, John and Benson's Levi. Yes, that's how yeah. right, I think. Yeah. But uh, Levi, and I don't know what he was thinking with that hair, but let's not go on that. Uh, he, he seems a bit more down to earth, a bit more relatable. Yeah, he's mm. a bit of a loser. He's still like working in um, bars, uh, bartending at his age, and mm-hmm. he's struggling to find work. And he just did had a bad mistake once. But he's also got a really, really horrible sort of uh, personal history with his family. Mm-hmm. And then you've got uh, John, who I don't think it ever really depicts sympathetically, but no, it's, it's just the way the the, in, the relationship develops. It starts off thinking John is the sort of the level-headed, the upright, the right-thinking one. Mm-hmm. Uh, twists that as well throughout all yeah. the, the developments. It adds a bit more um, background for Levi. I mean, you never really hear... You only hear about John's background and his past from his perspective and him telling people what... Him telling Levi what's happened, where he's come from. The first time he sees... The first time that Levi sees John is he's got blood on his shirt and he kind of explains that away as, oh, goth, where there are weird drinks. Yes, and, yes they do. <laughs> yeah, and that's all it gets left at. Like... He said he's just left his partner, or he's split up from his partner. But with um, with Levi, you get actual footage of his past, and it gives a more nuance to him. Gives a better a better idea of him as a person and why he's in the situation he's now in. And as you said, yeah, it certainly paints him as it goes on a lot more sympathetic to John, who's the narcissist, who has the massive ego, who has is the one that's driving the documentary, who. At, at one point, talks about how much money he's made, um, and yeah. again, not going to full spoils for that. It's just a, a kind of throwaway line, but it's um, delved into a wee bit more. It's uh, how much money he's made and what he's done with it as well, which is kind of one of those moments where you think, "Oh, he's that sort of person." Aye, yeah. aye, aye, and he definitely and he comes across as being, "Yes, I am better than Levi." I think, or I know him, he doesn't think it, he knows it, is probably the best way to describe it. Um, in terms of the theme of the film, if it is looking at the making of a movie, if that's the kind of undertone that we're looking at, how successful is it in pulling that off and giving you a feel for it? Um, I think it's a great example of, I mean, that's blockbuster filmmaking, I'll never know what that's like. Mm-hmm. Um, I do do like low budget indie, no budget indie shots. So mm-hmm. I know what they're like, and they're sort of flying by the seat of the pants. They are chaos incarnate. Mm-hmm. So as far as that, I think it captures it really well. It captures the mood. It captures the unpredictability. Mm-hmm. It captures just how friendships fracture. I mean, I've lost friends who are trying to make films. That's okay. that just happens, right? Um, and I think it captures that sort of mood really, mm-hmm. really well. I think, yeah. Yeah, um, I've never been personally involved in the filmmaking business. I can only really go off of stories that you hear, and it certainly seems as if they've 
managed to touch on. I kind of what would be a fractious line of work. Um, and I mean, that's what this movie is about. Mm-hmm. Not thematically, more sort of existence-wise. Yeah, uh, making movies of your friends is just a good business. Mm-hmm. And this just the theme sort of corrupts that a little bit. Yeah, but what it's like if you don't make it with your friends—the sort of horror and nightmare terror that it is—if you don't make it with your best friend, basically. Yeah, and um, in terms of, we're not going spoilers, but do you feel the ending pays off, or is it again another Benson and Moorhead that you kind of go, what, <laughs> and then yeah, yeah, get your own theories bit, and think? It is a bit. What I mean, I, the fact that. It's really hard to talk around the fact that it, it leads to a certain thing and then it tells you this certain bit of information about what happens with their main characters in the future. Mm-hmm. So how does all that happen then? That doesn't make any sense. Yeah. Is that ending real? Is that a faked ending in this yeah. fake documentary? Yeah. I'm, I'm confused. Mm-hmm. But again, I'd rather be confused in the hands of Benson and Muirhead than have everything explained to me like I'm a six-year-old. Yeah. So, it's a, yeah. it's a win in my book, really. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think that'll uh, just kind of wrap us up there on the review of it. Overall, positive, I think. Oh, well, yeah, yeah very positive, actually. I do will definitely give it another watch. It's out. This will come out on the day of release in the UK, 4th of November. And then it's out on Blu-ray and digital on the 5th of December, I think it is. Um, and fans of Benson and Moorhead, I think, are going to lap it up. Um, fans of really well thought out, but also very confusing hard sci-fi are also going to really just absolutely love this. Um, and I can't wait to see what they do for Loki season two. So, Rob, yeah. thanks very much for joining me for this wee quick chat. And we'll catch you next time. We're going to try to prove the supernatural. We're going to need some kind of visuals. Or people won't believe it. Start over. Something happened. But what do we think went wrong? believe part of it was real. This city was designed according to this tablet. Maybe these gateways to other dimensions are actually all around us. You can couch it in scientific terms. It doesn't really matter. I don't think anything is worth what happened. You don't think that has anything to do with what we're doing downstairs? Quite in dangerous uncharted territory yet. I'm gonna try to eat it. I might have this all wrong.